In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And that's just as true today. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is within us in this room. We just prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's presence is here. And God desires to do something big at this church. You know, over the past (laughs) however many years, I've only been here for about a year and a half, but I've seen the building change. I've seen the congregation grow. I've seen things building and building, and I've seen great structures put in place. And it just feels like something's happening at this church. It feels like we're able to reach more and more of the community. We're able to reach more and more nations around this world. And my hope is that we can continue to do that. And I believe that that's part of the reason why God gave me this sermon series about sin is because before anything major happens, we need to deal with our sin, whether it be starting with leadership all the way down to every member of the congregation. You know, God's presence can't be where we're actively sinning. And he wants to take care of that within all of us, including me. And it's exciting because I see wonderful things happening at this church. And I think that we're just at the tip of the iceberg here. And, you know, we have to ask ourselves, even this morning, did we come here to truly encounter God? You know, God promises that his presence is here with us. Did we come here to encounter him? You know, do we expect him to fill a need in our life that only he can fill? Do we expect him to come through in a major way? Or are we just here because we felt like we had to come or we felt like we needed to check our name off? You know, if we came for that reason, it honestly isn't even worth it because there's going to be no attendance sheet in heaven. God's not going to say, you were here this day, that was great. You weren't here this day. No, God's interested in a relationship with us. And that's the wonderful thing about him is that what he cares about most is knowing us and not about us being perfect all the time. So Lord, we pray to you as a group and we pray to put our hearts in the right place. If we came here with any motivation other than to seek you, any motivation other than to be close to you and to hear your word and then to obey that, please change that within us because we desire to know you and we desire to hear from you. And we pray this in your name, amen. So that was John the Baptist. He was preparing the way for Jesus Christ to come. And then he continues. He says, this is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, describing Jesus Christ. He's the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. You know, John's telling the people, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths. I want you guys to be ready when Jesus Christ comes. John's all about getting everybody ready. You know, think of a wedding day. You're doing everything you possibly can to make everything perfect. You make sure everything's good at the venue. You make sure you're dressed appropriately. You know, every button is perfect. Your hair is all in its right place. You have deodorant on. You brush your teeth. You know, everything's perfect. Now, at this point, most likely, your spouse or potential spouse is going to marry you regardless. You know, at that point, it's kind of late to back out, even if you are missing a button. But... On your wedding day, you do everything you can to present yourself as best you can to your potential spouse. 
And it's the same with God. We should be doing all that we can every day of our life to honor him. You know, sometimes I think we see God as too much of a friend. And we just think, you know, he's with me all the time. I get to talk to him. But sometimes I kind of wish he'd like turn his head and look that way. You know, sometimes we need to give him the respect of calling him Lord, of submitting our lives to him and saying, you know, you're more than just a friend. You're someone who I want to remain in. You're someone who I want to listen to and be obedient to because I trust that you have a greater plan than I do. Now, as we continue on, we describe John, and it says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. So there was something authentic about John, something that drew people to him. Now, don't get me wrong, John was a little bit of a strange dude. You know, if he'd walk in here today, I think that people would give him second looks, and people might even, like, scooch a little farther away if he was sitting in your row. But... There was something about him that drew people to him. And that was that he was so authentic in his relationship with God. You know, when we get away from our sins, when we finally move away from those sins in our lives, there's something new about us that's attractive. You know, there's something that even if people don't believe in Jesus Christ, they'll want to know more about us and they'll want to say, why does this person live like this? I was at Cheech just this past Thursday, and as I was waiting in line, I noticed the two people ahead of me was a member of the pagan biker gang. Now, this guy, he was a giant. He was probably like 6'5". He was in pretty good shape, and, you know, he had on his vest. He had on the 1% patch. He was a guy I wouldn't want to mess with. He looked pretty tough. And just like their reputation might be, he, there was someone in line who wasn't paying attention, so he cut right in front of that person, paid for his drink, and then he went and stood outside the sheet, so proud, just drinking his drink, like for everyone to see. Now, even if his beliefs don't line up with Christianity, there was something about that man that I admired. You know, he was so secure and so strong in his beliefs that he lived them out freely. You know, he took pride in his association with this pagan biker gang, and he wanted the world to know it. And it got me thinking, what if as Christians, people noticed that about us? Where we lived in a way that we took pride in our relationship with God, that people looked at us and they thought, you know what, I might not agree with what that person does, but they are committed and there is something different to them. I think that's something we can all strive for. And then more about John, it says that people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, you know, there was something about John that made the people come from the whole region to come see him. You know, that would have required a lot more work than just driving to church this morning. They would have had to travel from long distances all the way out to see him. And there was something else John was doing. He allowed the people to be so comfortable that they confessed their sins to him before they were baptized. You know, their deepest, darkest secrets. They said, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to confess this sin. Then I'm going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and give up those sins forever. You know, the people trusted John that much, even though he may not have looked like someone who we might not associate as a Christian today. So as John's doing all this, he sees the religious leaders approaching. 
He sees the Pharisees coming. And these are the people who thought they were secure. They thought they were the ones in charge. But in reality, they were the ones in the most danger. You know, because they were holding people to standards that they never kept on their own. And they were just being completely hypocritical in their situations. So John had some harsh words for them. He told them, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You know, if we really claim we're going to be leaders, we should be producing good works with our lives. Now, these good works shouldn't be so that other people see them. We're not doing them to put ourselves on this pedestal and be on display. But the good works should flow naturally out of our relationship with God. And then when people see those good works, they should glorify God because of them. You know, and this isn't what the Pharisees of the day were doing. It was like John was saying, don't just say you're godly men, but let me see evidence of that. When we truly turn from our sins, our lives should look different. You know, friends who haven't seen us in a couple of years should come up to us and say, you know, what's different about you? Like, where's this joy coming from? What's going on here? But he had harsher words for these Pharisees. He tells them, two verses later, the ax is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now this is scary to think about. Especially, I would be considered a religious leader of today's age. And Jesus was saying this to the religious leaders of his age. So I'm thinking, you know, sometimes it feels like, I should be the safe one, right? Because I'm the one speaking like to all of us. But Jesus is saying, you need to be with me. You know, you can't be doing these things on our own. Because sometimes it feels easy to get to heaven, almost too easy. We think, turn from sins, accept Jesus as Lord, that's it. You know, we even hear in the book of Romans, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That sounds so easy. Call in the name of the Lord, you're saved, right? Done, church is over. But that's not exactly what God's plan for us is. When we call him Lord, it's supposed to mean something. It's supposed to mean that we want to change and accept his lordship. You know, repent means to change our ways, to turn from our old ways and to say, you are Lord, your ways are better than the ways that I have and I'm going to give you the respect of Lord in my life. But thankfully, because this sounds like bad news, thankfully God is big enough to do the tough work for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I often forget how powerful God really is. Like, you know, take a look at your body right now. Think that God blended together every single intricate little part of your body. Like, not just to create life in you, but to sustain it. Like, we're all breathing. Like, I can't even begin to describe how much that takes. Or, you know, when we leave here today, just take a moment, instead of looking at our phones, to just look at this world around us and think that God created every single acre, every single inch, every single blade of grass. You know, when it gets dark tonight, look up at the sky and see all of the stars and think that God created this galaxy. I had a thought this week, there were two members in particular who had really good things happen to them, two members of this church. And I just thought how God could be in both places at the same time, celebrating with both of them in different ways. You know, God isn't just in one physical place as Jesus Christ was when he was on this earth, but God can be with all of us, present in the midst of everything that's happening, whether that's celebration or sorrow. 
you know, and God is this powerful, and yet he says to us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I'm inviting you to be with me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now it says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. The New American Standard Bible, it's kind of a more like word-for-word translation, and it uses the word abide, which means to accept something or to act in accordance with something. So Jesus is saying, if you accept me, if you act in accordance of my ways, then you will bear much fruit. And I was thinking about this my last shift at UPS Friday night, because we, they gave us a 15-minute break, which we don't always get, and I thought... Okay, I'll use the first couple minutes to walk to the vending machine, get something to eat. Then I'll walk to the bathroom because it's a long shift. And then I'll eventually get back and sit around for the last seven minutes of the break. And I thought, you know what, this sounds like a good plan. But then God convicted me that to call him Lord and to abide in him, to act with him, doesn't just mean doing what I plan all the time. It doesn't mean just doing my selfish actions, but that I should go and talk to some of my coworkers. You know, since I was doing a different job than they were, you know, see how their night's going, see how they're doing, see if they have any weekend plans, just to have some kind of communication rather than being just to myself. Because when we just live by our plans and then at the end of the day say, well, thank you for that day, God, it was great, that's not calling him Lord and that's not living under his lordship. And the thing is, when we don't do that, there are consequences. You know, if we're not living as we're called, there are consequences. John 15 tells us, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But the good news for us here is that it doesn't say, if you don't do my will good enough, you'll be picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. It doesn't say, if you aren't talented, this won't happen to you. It doesn't say, if you don't speak clearly enough. You know, God doesn't hold us to those high standards because he can help with those parts. He just says, you know, if you don't remain in me, that is what we need to be doing because when we remain in God, when we abide with him, he will do the hard work for us. Now, my house at home, yeah, obviously it's at home. I live there in my backyard. If you look out my back door, it faces the dorms of the University of Pittsburgh at Greensburg. So it's not exactly the best view. You're staring at a brick wall. But, and I kind of like my privacy. So when I lived there with my family in high school, we had three pine trees, which blocked everything and it was perfect. But then when I eventually moved in there and was living by myself, the pine trees came down and then I thought like, you know, there's just nothing to see here. Like I want some privacy so I can like hit golf balls and just be in my backyard without people like watching me. So I had the bright idea of digging three holes and then planting three big trees because I wasn't patient enough for them to grow. And I thought, you know what, then this will block the view for me. So as my dad can attest, who's here today, they were big trees because I wasn't patient. I wanted things covered quickly. So it may not look that big, but that down there, I'm guessing it's like seven or 800 pounds. It was ridiculously heavy. So I called him up and I said, hey dad, you wanna plant some trees with me? 
And I don't think he had any idea what he was walking into on that one. But eventually, after a lot of hard work, we got the trees planted and everything was as it should be. And I figured, you know, in a couple of years, it would be full across the back and like I'd have my privacy and everything would work as intended. So this morning I took a picture. We're down to one. <laughs> now let me, let me tell you though, I'm a proud tree parent because see that tree in the middle? It got much bigger. <laughs> but the other two, and I didn't do this because of what God's word says, but I eventually had to cut them down because they died and I burned them because it was easier to burn them. I threw them into the fire rather than hauling them away. So, you know, my plan would have been for all the trees to be there and for complete privacy because that was what I wanted. And, you know, God has a plan for us, for our lives, and he has a perfect picture. But what happened was that only that one tree survived and it thrived. You know, it's doing well now. So even though I invested all that time, all that money, because the trees weren't cheap, and all the time trying to water them and keep them alive, it just didn't work. And the sad news for us is that the Bible also says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know, like we've been saying, this isn't about being able to call him Lord and then just do our own thing. If we truly call Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives, we're submitting ourselves to him. We're saying, I trust you above all else, and I'm not going to walk in my old ways anymore. And it continues, it says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then God will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You know, God is concerned about us knowing him and him knowing us. He wants this mutual relationship between us. He wants to journey through life together. Yeah, when we focus on this one part, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We drove out demons. We performed many miracles. These things sound wonderful. You know, they sound like if you're doing those things, you'd be a perfect Christian. And I kind of relate this part to my life. You know, I'd be saying, Lord, did I not preach in front of other people? Did I not pray before the services? Did I not lead these youth group students on a mission trip? But if I wouldn't be spending time with him, if I wouldn't be, you know, seeking him in my quietness of the day, if I wouldn't be truly living like he's Lord, all that stuff would be meaningless. You know, I truly believe that God would rather me spend time with him in the quietness of my day, then see me up here. I think God wants to be with me personally before any of this is possible. And I think that if that wouldn't happen and I would just be up here on my own, he would eventually remove me from this situation because this isn't where he would want me to be. And the cool thing with God is that the effort we put in does not equal the results. In John 15, once again, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You know, this first part here, 
We could put a lot of effort into doing, 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 doing as much stuff as we possibly could. But if we're not doing that stuff as we're abiding in God and living for him, it will be meaningless. So we'll put in this much effort and get nothing out of it. Or on the other hand, you know, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. If we're just taking the time to spend time with him, and accepting him, and wanting to do his will, even if we're this talented and put in this much effort, he will multiply that so we can make an impact on the world this much. You know, God doesn't always work like we think he works, and he does so much more than we could ever imagine. Now, with this, when I was going through this part of the sermon, I don't think it's any coincidence that the song Build My Life came on, because it talks about building our lives upon the love of God and establishing that firm foundation in him because that's what we're called to do. We're called to, in our daily lives, be with him at all times. You know, with this being Memorial Day, first, I just have to say that I am so thankful to live in this country and for all of the people who fought for our freedom because I could very easily see a situation where I'm up here preaching and I need to keep peering through those doors to make sure no one's coming in to persecute us or to kill us or to shut us down because we wouldn't be free. But in this country, we have freedom to practice our Christian faith like this and not just to practice it independently, but to spread it to this world. You know, we're taking, at New Stanton Church, we're taking Christianity into the elementary schools into the middle schools and high schools. And it's just so wonderful to see that we're able to do that. And we can be thankful for all of the people who fought for this country. And many of them gave their own lives for us or their lives were severely affected. But before you, know, you truly start in the Army or the Navy or the Air Force or the Marines or the Coast Guard, each branch requires some type of basic training, some type of intensive training format where the people are acclimated to life within the armed services. You know, without that training, I cannot even imagine, you know, sending people out into battle. You know, it would look like the non-veterans in this room heading out as a group. I don't think you guys would want me leading that. But... This prepares them for what they're going to go through. And as Christians, we need to, in a sense, be going through our own daily routines to understand what it takes to be a Christian and understand what it takes to step away from our sins and to step into new life in Jesus Christ. Because if we just try and do it on our own without God, it's not going to work. But when we build that foundation on him, he will equip us and then we'll be able to do more than we ever thought possible because it's through his presence. You know, we'll be able to do everything. Like, look at this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He tells us, if you remain in me, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Like that sounds too good to be true. One person, one pastor I love listening to, especially on a subject such as this, is Francis Chan, because he talks about how God answers his prayers. 
You know, sometimes I pray thinking, like, I'm not sure if God's actually going to respond to this. But Francis gives so many scenarios where when he's doing God's will, prayers are being answered. He even, he really liked this one young man who worked at his church. And he had no idea, like, the man and the daughter didn't know each other. And Francis prayed to God, God, I want you to make this man part of my family one day. Then a couple months later, this man came up to Francis and said, can I take your daughter on a date? And now they're married. So Francis's prayer to include that man as part of his family ended up coming to work. And it's just cool to see stories such as this where when we're trying to do God's will, he does truly answer our prayers. That's why it's recorded in the Bible that we should be asking for what we want. We should be asking along with God's will. And not only will our prayers be answered, but we will hear from God when we remain in him. So we'll close with John 16. It says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Now this first part here about there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. If a couple years ago, I would have been told the things that I know now and witnessed the things I know now about Christianity, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I wouldn't have understood it. I would have like, rationalized it as something else or a coincidence. But now as I'm getting more mature in my faith, I understand that these aren't just coincidences, but they're things that I can actually process and understand now. And we're all at different levels in this Christian walk. And we just need to remember that things will be revealed slowly to us. And that's not a bad thing. And it continues. It says, he, the, the Holy Spirit, will bring me glory, which is Jesus Christ. So that the Holy Spirit will bring Jesus Christ glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So, it says the Holy Spirit will be speaking to us. The Holy Spirit will be speaking Jesus' words to us, which should be exciting. It makes me think that we are just like we're in Jesus' presence now. Just as Jesus spoke to his original disciples, he's speaking to us in this place. Only Jesus Christ isn't one physical person now. He can't only be in one place, but he's in the heart of every single believer speaking to us. And it's just the most exciting news ever because when we truly do abide in him, when we do put our trust in him, we hear from him, we know what to do, and our lives are changed forever. Because he wasn't just a man, but he rose from the grave. You know, he was resurrected, and now he has power over all things. He has power in our lives. He can move us from those sins that we desperately want out of. And he can revive this church. He can revive this community. He can revive our hearts and change our families and save people. And it's just something to celebrate because we are living in a time of excitement because we're in the presence of God. So God, we pray to you this morning. We pray that you will be made attractive to us, that in our days, we'll seek you. That the things in this world that distract us, that keep us away from you, we'll want nothing of those things anymore and we'll desire to be in your presence more than anything else. 
I know some of us in here, many of us are struggling with specific sins. In the name of Jesus, I pray for those sins to be cast away. I pray for all that is within God to just be in those situations and take away any attacks from the devil, take away any spiritual attacks and let this be a new beginning for all of us. That when we get this sin out of our lives, we can see that we are new creations. We can see the potential we have. We can see everything that you see in us. So we won't be self-conscious anymore. We won't be lacking, but we'll be full through your presence. And Lord, we just trust that you'll show up powerfully. We trust that you'll guide everything we do and that this will be a new day in your kingdom. So we pray this in your powerful name. Amen.